0: So after breakfast, they went round to see Piglet, and Pooh explained as they went that Piglet was a very small animal who didn't like bouncing, and asked Tigger not to be too bouncy just at first. And Tigger, who'd been hiding behind trees and jumping out on Pooh's shadow when it wasn't looking, said that Tiggers were only bouncy before breakfast, and that as soon as they had a few haycorns, they became quiet and refined. So by and by, they knocked at the door of Piglet's house.
1: Tiggers are not built to go at it alone. They're meant to run with a pack, and the health of the pack often determines the health of the tigger. It's been said many ways. Choose your friends, choose your future. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. No matter how you say it, raising a tigger means helping him learn to find the good packs. Welcome to Beyond Curriculum. I'm your host, Julie Moore. As homeschool parents, we accept enormous responsibility for our children's future, while facing a lot of criticism and little support. The Beyond Curriculum podcast includes episodes, blog posts, and other resources designed to keep us encouraged, grow our skills, and connect us as a community, regardless of the curriculum we use. Together, we can educate our children with confidence and peace of mind. This is the fourth episode of Season 2, in which the classic characters of the Hundred Acre Wood are helping us understand the unique personalities of each one of our children. And today, we're meeting Tigger. Commercial-free, thanks to patrons just like you who support the show with a monthly contribution starting as low as $2. As a thank you for their support, Beyond Curriculum patrons receive early access to each episode as well as exclusive content. If you would like to become a patron, go to beyondcurriculumpodcast.com, click support the show, and choose the contribution level that fits your budget. And now, on with the show. The exciting announcement, it's a bouncing baby boy, must have been coined by parents of Tiggers. It seems like Tiggers have a head start on all things physical. They roll over early, they sit up early, they're the first ones to crawl, and sometimes they just skip straight to walking, which of course turns to running, jumping, and climbing in very short order. For tiny Tiggers, the world is an endless adventure waiting to be explored. You suspected early on you might be raising a tigger. Even as a tiny baby, he insisted on his right to move. No swaddling for him. Cuddling, yes. Hugging, fine. Fist bumping and high fives were a special delight. But restraints like swaddling blankets, baby wraps, and sometimes even clothing were resisted at every turn. Your little guy had things to do, people to see, and new experiences to have. If he must be kept in one location, the Johnny Jumper was a much more acceptable compromise. But most of the time, your job was to keep up and keep him alive. From the moment his eyes popped open until he fell into bed, Tigger was on the move. And you often wondered if his feet were attached to his mouth because of the constant stream of words that flowed as he went. Questions, observations, invitations. Tigger talked to everyone and no one. He'll probably never have to be told to stop and smell the roses. He notices them. He literally stops and smells them. And sometimes he talks to them, too. Tigger's world is just so full of amazing delights. It's also full of challenges waiting to be conquered. The slide at the playground in particular anyone can sit and slide down the slide where's the challenge in that tigger was content with that for a very short time you know when most little guys wouldn't even consider climbing up the slide steps yeah you looked the other way for just a second and when you looked back there he was like a little mountaineer proudly making the summit of everest you rushed to him and gave a quick assist in sitting down and sliding feet first the correct way according to the safety rules. And then you waited patiently while Tigger perfected this new skill with what felt like 15,000 repetitions. Climb, sit, slide, repeat. He wasn't satisfied until he could do the entire thing without your assistance. And truthfully, you marveled at his skill once you recovered from the initial shock. But that was not the end of Tigger's fascination with the slide. No. Once the basics were mastered, it was time for variations. Laying down. Tummy feet first. Tummy head first. Running up the slide. And then Tigger got the bright idea of trying to run down the slide. As he crested the top and turned around to marvel at his accomplishment, you saw the next challenge spark in his eyes. So you sprinted to the moment of your next intervention. You tried reasoning with him, distracting him, even forbidding him. But you knew it was just a matter of time. He just couldn't let it go. And sure enough, there was a moment, there is always a moment, when you looked away and he went for it. And he proved you right, it was a bad idea. He learned a powerful lesson about momentum and gravity that day. A lesson that ended with seven stitches above his eyebrow. A lesson, you suspected rightly, that would be repeated over and over and over through the years. These toddler scenes are very different from rabbits and kangas. So if this sounds closer to your experience, you may be the mom of a tigger. Despite the assertion that he's the only one, Tiggers are actually the most common personality type. They make up 21% of the population. So out of the 10 kids on the playground, two of them are likely to be Tiggers, one boy and one girl. There's about a 50-50 chance that Tigger will be a boy or a girl. All Tiggers are unique. Your Tigger may not demonstrate all of the characteristics mentioned today or may not demonstrate them to the same degree of intensity. But if your child really is a Tigger, most of what you hear should sound quite familiar. One thing stands out with Tiggers. It's what they're known for. It's what they're best at. Tiggers are highly in tune with their senses and therefore the tangible world around them. They are very skilled at gathering information in through their external environment, through their senses. And they get energy from interacting directly with the people, objects, and situations in that environment. For Tiggers, movement is the key to the whole process. If Tiggers stop moving, they stop learning. It's their greatest asset and the biggest liability all at the same time.
2: I'm Sally, and I'm the mom of a Tigger we actually called one of our children Tigger at times because as my husband remembers, um, a common occurrence in our house was that a horizontal body would come flying through the air out of nowhere and pound He made us laugh a whole lot. Um, I'm I'm an introvert, so I'm very different than he is. And so he was tiring to me sometimes, but just ever so delightful. And so I really had a lot of fun being a mom of a Tigger. Long before I had kids, somebody told me that um, it was a lot easier to steer than it was to push, and so I really held on to that thought as I raised a Tigger child because sometimes it was a bit like riding a roller coaster. Every mother or father of a Tigger need to think about how to find ways to say yes to their Tigger because the the Tigger has such an inborn love of life, and um, and they love to learn things, so loving life and knowing how to enjoy yourself that's not a bad thing for me, being an introvert, a lot of times I needed to put my preferences for peace and quiet aside so that I could help my tigger be successful, and I could either help him do that the right way um to be uh have his love of life and be busy and always wanting to be do things. I could help him do it the right way. Or most likely, he would find ways to be adventurous the wrong way. He could focus, but he had to have his fun and adventure tank full to be able to do that. Sometimes Tiggers need help in choosing wise friends, um, not just fun friends, because they need interaction with people. So helping them facilitate that's important. And because they're so fun, people are naturally drawn to them and they are drawn to other fun people and you want to make sure that those are wise people um, we found that to be very helpful that we um, helped guide him in that um, because he loved he loved most people and most people loved him and then siblings of tiggers i would say need their space to be who they are while still allowing the tigger to be adventurous so for us Tigger would instigate what he thought was fun, and his sibling didn't agree with that. He didn't agree that that was fun, and so conflict would break out. And so we needed to figure out how to help both of them have their own brand of fun. And as they got older, we were able to give them separate rooms so that they had their own space. They could be better friends that way. They got along a lot better when we were able to help them separate a little bit, and um, they became better friends. So those are the things that I think are important that parents of TIGGERS need to know. Running, jumping, and
1: climbing begin to increase in territory, accoutrement, and risk. Rather than attempting to restrain and confine this burning drive, you wisely choose to channel it in a productive direction. Gymnastics. The magical wonderland where Tigger is not only encouraged, but admired for his ability to run, jump, climb, flip, twist, and explode off of a room full of furniture-like apparatus. There are many versions of these wonderful places for Tiggers. Fields, courts, and stages, using balls, rackets, clubs, instruments, or props. Heaven is anywhere a Tigger uses his body skillfully all the more, if doing so entertains and delights others. And for your Tigger, heaven is his gym. His first lesson in gymnastics is surprising, but brilliant. How to fall. Rather than teaching young gymnasts how not to fall, their coach teaches them how to hit the ground and roll in such a way they don't get hurt, or at least they don't get hurt as badly. You'll draw inspiration from this lesson for the rest of your years with Tigger. It's a lesson that embraces the reality of the way Tigger is wired. Rather than squeezing him into some little box labeled normal, it sets the boundaries and expectations while giving him tools that will help him succeed. Chores, for example. Part of steering his boundless energy in a positive direction includes training him to do chores early on. As a little guy, he liked the challenge of doing what the grown-ups do. But he couldn't operate from a written chore list because he wasn't reading yet. So you made a picture chore list. And when you discovered he was easily distracted as he moved from one environment where the chore list lived to a new environment where the chore was to be done, you turned the list into a packet of picture cards that hung around his neck. He may still get distracted, but now the swinging pack on his lanyard acts as a gentle reminder to stay on task. And on particularly challenging days, a simple, let's see how quickly you can finish your chore pack. I'll time you. Ready, set, go is all it takes. Other than the occasional trip to the minor emergency clinic, the preschool years are a lot of fun, and you feel like you're doing well with Tigger, but... As the school years approach, you have understandable concerns about the Grand Canyon-sized gap between the preschool days filled with playful activity and the traditional school days staying still and focused at a table or desk. With all of this energy, how on earth are you going to homeschool him? And at the same time, with all of this energy, how on earth would you not homeschool him? Could you seriously send him into a classroom where you know he'll be expected to sit still and be quiet for seven hours a day, five days a week? No, you don't see that going low. Well. Homeschooling is your best option. It's Tigger's best option. But you suspect your homeschool may not look like other homeschools. It certainly won't look like doing school at home. What would be the point of that? So you start researching early on. And you're relieved to discover all kinds of information that extols the benefits of play and experiential learning. You discover that Tigger children are often late readers, not because they're unintelligent, but because they have less of an interest in sitting still and decoding abstract symbols scrawled across the paper. And handled correctly, those same Tiggers often catch up. They may even surpass their peers in literature and composition skills by the time junior high and high school roll around. So school looks like lots of time outside exploring in nature, learning basic math concepts with everyday items like buttons and pennies and beans for really big numbers. And instead of forcing Tigger through reading lessons and writing paragraphs about a yellow pencil, you use lots of great books. You read aloud to Tigger while he plays on the floor with Legos, puzzles, Play-Doh, or crayons and paper. You read all kinds of books this way. Bible stories, legends and tall tales, natural science, biographies, fairy tales, and more. He soaks it up. Besides the surprisingly detailed discussions that take place after these readings, the information often shows up in his play, sometimes days, weeks, and months later. Like the time you discovered him playing Catholics and Protestants with three other homeschool friends. The bigger boys were the Catholics. They had captured the little boys, those unruly Protestants. Bound and creatively forced to remain standing by a protruding circle of half-buried sticks, the little boys refused to recant. You see, you've already learned that you can spend the majority of your time and energy critiquing and correcting Tigger and have very little to show for it other than a strained relationship. Or you can realize that in school, Chores, and even in play, Tigger will not be contained. So you roll with it. You set the boundaries, you give clear expectations, and then you provide the freedom for Tigger to experience and learn to succeed.
3: My name's Elizabeth, and I'm a Tigger. When Tiggers are made to sit still for a long time, our brains tend to turn off in elementary school or junior high or maybe even high school, the Tiggers would get in trouble for moving around a lot. That's not what it looked like for me. It's not that I was making myself move around a lot, but if I didn't have the opportunity to do that, I would zone out pretty easily. The classes that I did the best in were the classes that I had to take a ton of notes because I was it was helping me move the whole time that the teacher was talking. If I am sitting in church or a conference or class, and I'm not able to move at all, I will be drawing or something on the side of sermon notes or whatever I'm writing on, because that really helps me focus on what the speaker is saying. Also, if I'm listening to an audio book or um, a podcast, I always need to be doing something while I'm listening or else I'm just completely disengaged from it. I remember this one time my nephew was over and he was trying to get his schoolwork done and he was just having the hardest time sitting still. So he went in and got on the elliptical in my garage. And we were like working on his homework while he was moving on the elliptical. And when I read aloud to my daughters, I have a special box of crayons and colored pencils and such that they can sit there and they can draw and they can color while we're reading. And then, like, in math, we use a lot of manipulatives and a lot of hands-on things because I know, especially for one of my daughters, if she's not moving, she's just not engaged in what's going on in front of her. Distractions can happen if there's too much going on. Um, And so one thing I just try to do often is to stop and check for understanding. If we're reading and I feel like, you know, the girls are moving around and listening, but then they start to get distracted, I'll stop and I'll say, hey, what did what did I just read or what are we talking about to make sure that they really are training their minds to stay focused. And I've kind of had to get over the fact that they're not looking at me. It doesn't mean that they're not listening. Even though I don't work that way myself, it's easy for me to assume that my kids need to look at me to listen to me. And so I've had to really figure out they really are listening, but they just need to be moving. They need to be doing something else with their hands while they're listening. And it has really helped them move forward in their schooling with less frustration. When you're teaching a child that needs to be moving, it can seem really inconvenient. You just want to sit down and get your lessons done because that's kind of how most of us were taught in school. But really, a tigger's need to move can give them such a rich and sweet education instead of sitting down and learning about how bees pollinate flowers, my kiddos can go out and watch bees pollinating flowers and jumping from flower to flower and observing which flowers are they on. And we can take those flowers apart so they can really dig into the actual real world examples easier because they're thinking as they're moving. They're having to get into the world and interact with it and move around in it to really learn it well.
0: It's like this, Christopher Robin, began Rabbit. Tigger, no, I didn't, said Tigger. Well, anyhow, there I was, said Eeyore. But I don't think he meant to, said Pooh. He's just bouncy, said Piglet, and he can't help. Try bouncing me, Tigger, said Rue eagerly. Eeyore, Tigger's going to try me. Piglet, do you think? Yes, yes, said Rabbit. We don't all want to speak at once. The point is, what does Christopher Robin think about it? All I did was, I coughed, said Tigger. He bounced, said Eeyore. Well, I sort of boffed, said Tigger. Hush! said Rabbit, holding up his paw. What does Christopher Robin think about it all? That's the point. Well, said Christopher Robin, not quite sure what it was all about. I think, yes, said everybody, I think we ought to play poo sticks. So they did. And Eeyore, who'd never played it before, won more times than anybody else.
1: The junior high years are hard for everyone, but perhaps most of all for Tiggers. Typically, school subjects transition further away from the concrete and become much more abstract. Theories and philosophies dethrone the pragmatic. Culturally, we expect the wiggly ways of childhood to be put aside for the more sedentary skills of adult-like focus. Interpersonal relationships often get more complex as well, so in a relational world that begins requiring more and more subtle political savvy, A direct and unfiltered tigger can find himself causing many unintentional frustrations and offenses. But all of that pales in importance to good decision-making ability. There are so many more ways for every young teen to get into trouble. Even homeschooled teens' worlds begin expanding to include many more influences outside of their homes. Successfully navigating this quickly growing running pack requires the ability to read people and their motives, to draw on past lessons and anticipate future consequences, and to delay sensory gratification in the short term to achieve less tangible goals in the long term. All of these abilities are very challenging for Tiggers. Tiggers focus on the objective, literal realities of their outer world. They easily see everything in amazing detail as they try to fully immerse themselves into the moment, which makes them quite skilled at making the most of the present opportunity, reality, or what is. In these junior high years, each Tigger begins getting more assistance from their second team member, either Eeyore or Rue, who plays a support role. But, It takes a while for Eeyore or Rue to get up to speed, so the teamwork between Tigger and his support can be awkward, inconsistent, and often ineffective. So when your Tigger is invited to join the competition team at the gym, you have a check in your gut. The guys on this team come from a variety of backgrounds, and most of them are older and more experienced than Tigger. On the one hand, it's an honor and testament to Tigger's skill, On the other hand, it is a new, powerful, mostly unknown running pack Tigger is about to join. Together, as a family, you discuss the pros and cons of the opportunity. Tigger hears both you and his father voice concerns regarding the moral impact any group can have on anyone. Tigger intellectually assents to your concerns, but he really wants to make the most of this opportunity. So you all agree to give it a try. Part of your new training program includes playing nonchalant games of, what would you do if? What would you do if you're in a store and see someone shoplifting? What would you do if you're the last one at the gym and mom or dad is really late picking you up? What would you do if you're at a party and discover the parents aren't there and alcohol is flowing freely? Playing this game gives you an opportunity to hear Tigger's thought process, his perspectives, and value sorts. He runs these scenarios with you, and you're able to give feedback to Tigger in a way that doesn't feel like judgment because it's part of a game. What you don't fully realize yet is that, just as his first coach taught him to fall, you're teaching Tigger to fail. Through your what-if discussions, Tigger begins to see that leaning into the first failure of a scenario is often a better choice than trying to hide it. Hiding the first failure regularly leads to a quickly spiraling second, third, or even fourth failure that can prove disastrous. And this is a lesson that ends up saving his life very soon.
4: My name's Steven, and I am a Tigger. When I was a young kid, my mouth got me in trouble frequently. I would bring home the six-week report cards with the colors on them, and I would get a red light because I was constantly distracting the class. In my mind, I was trying to be funny and get friends or be included, but it took me years to learn this. What I was doing was actually driving people away because it was just obnoxious, all of the talking that I was doing. And because I was so frequent in my talking the the content really wasn't even that funny. I thought it was, but they didn't. So it didn't really help me. When I got to about middle school and I realized it was mostly my words that were keeping me in trouble and, and causing relational issues, I, I remember during the summers I would think this year, this is the year that I'm going to finally shut my mouth. Things will go better for me. And day one of the new school year I realized that's a lot harder to pull off and so then I would be right back into it again uh, dealing with the the consequences of my words uh, it wasn't until high school when I had developed a good friend group I stopped saying as many ridiculous things that every once in a while my mouth would get me in trouble and uh, I, there was even a time where I think I prided myself on my lack of filter and I thought that was that was a, a neat, genuine character aspect of myself. And I was totally wrong, but for some reason I valued that. It wasn't really until I got to college where I uh, started to get the idea that if I wanted to do something productive with my life and uh, be respected by anybody, I was going to have to figure out how to... Limit my words. Uh, I didn't really have a a paradigm or a framework to help me figure out which things to limit and which things to not limit. So I started to err on the side of just not speaking, and that really worked for me for a while. When something that I thought was funny came to my head, I would chew on it for a minute and see if it really was actually beneficial to say. The key word there is benefit, and over time, going through college, I learned that your words are actually for building up other people, and they're not for attempting to build up myself or to tear down other people. And it took me many years, even beyond college, to fully work that into my own thinking and speaking. If it doesn't benefit anybody to say it, then it is not worth saying. And that was a, that was a huge shift for me. As I uh, went into the working world and got into some leadership roles, um, and I saw the positive results of that. People actually had an easier time respecting me, and people that I was leading had an easier time following me uh, because I wasn't constantly uh, offending with my words. And the biggest way to, to control what comes out of my mouth is to understand, is this actually going to benefit anybody if I do say it, and is, and if it's only benefiting me at the expense of others, it's also not worth saying. Um, I still talk a lot, but less than I used to because of that filter, and it's been very helpful for me.
1: The day of the big meat proves to be bittersweet. It's Tigger's first time competing with the elite guys, so that's exciting. Unfortunately, you see some less-than-sportsmanlike attitudes. Not so great. Tigger's team finishes in second place, so that's mostly happy. But Tigger's performance showed a lot of nerves, and that embarrassed him a little, so that's not so happy. Still, the guys seemed to be encouraging him along, and they invited him to a party that evening to celebrate their success. And there was that gut check again. But you don't have specific tangible reasons to say no, so you agree and pray that it will be a pleasant, uneventful night. Fortunately, unfortunately, the phone rings around 11 p.m. It's Tigger. The scenario is no longer a scenario. There really was a party. Parents really weren't there. Alcohol really was. And things are getting out of hand. Thankfully, though, Tigger chose to call his dad to come pick him up rather than getting a ride home with a drunk teammate and sneaking into the house to hide the fact that he had also been drinking. That's something, and you're grateful for Tigger's less worse decision. Still, there will be consequences. Tigger's dad gets him home and lets him know they'll unpack the events of the evening after a good night's sleep. Bright and early the next morning, Dad greets Tigger with a big, greasy, protein-filled breakfast. He's going to need it in order to make it through the manual labor-filled morning. Tigger's stomach churns. Nauseated, he heads out the door into the bright sunshine, which has already warmed the morning up to a steamy beginning. And that's when Tigger's dad pulls out a to-do list that seems to require the use of every noisy tool he owns. It's going to be a long day for Tigger. After the workday is complete and Tigger has had a mercifully refreshing shower and a couple of ibuprofen to take off the last lingering effects of his hangover, you ask him to take some time for self-reflection. Tigger gets alone in his room and writes out his reasons for participating in gymnastics. It's an enjoyable activity with a possible college scholarship, and he's developing a competitive edge that will benefit him in a future business career. As requested, Tigger brings this list with him. As everyone sits down around the dinner table, you discuss the events that led to Tigger's wise and courageous phone call. He shares just a few of the numerous stories floating around the gym. The elite guys enjoy the party lifestyle. The coaches and parents turn a blind eye as long as they continue to perform well in their meets. You ask Tigger to talk a little about his goals and purpose for continuing to train hard in his sport, and he quickly realizes that these particular teammates aren't helping they're probably going to make it less likely that he'll succeed in accomplishing his goals. You all agree that this may not be a good running pack for Tigger, and that's when the conversation turns to the winning team from across town. Each of you noticed a marked difference in the way those guys competed. They worked hard, stayed in that mental zone, respected the coach, and encouraged each other. Tigger mentioned that he saw the guys praying together before and after the meet. And you overheard a couple of parents from the team talking about their zero-tolerance policy. No unhealthy, counterproductive habits are acceptable, including but not limited to underage drinking and drug use. You all agreed that a change like that was probably in order. After all, good decisions are easier to make when Tigger has a good running pack. Tigger even volunteered to track down the details for transferring to this new club.
5: My name is Lydia and I am a Tigger. I think that it's really easy to look at a person who's a Tigger and think that they're shallow. Um, You see their largeness of personality, they're in the momentness, you see them bouncing off the walls, and you think that's all that's going on inside of them. But there's this whole introverted, very thoughtful part of Tigger. It's really, really well hidden because the way that we interact with our external world is in the moment. Very big, very happy, very bouncy. But it's important, I think, to acknowledge in your child that there is this part of them that is a secret, hidden, internal world. Um, I don't think Tiggers intend to hide it from people. It's just really hard for us to express it. Um, we, we have it in there, but we don't really recognize it because we're not interacting with our external world that way. But I think that takers do really want to be understood as being intelligent and smart and thoughtful and having depth of character. Um, if you look at me, the way I interact with the external world, I'm completely willing to make a complete fool of myself if it will make people laugh. It's not because I love to make a fool of myself. It's because I love seeing people have this moment in time when their cares are forgotten. I I have this joy in the moment of the experience, and I love to share that with other people. So I think if you look at a Tigger and you think they're just arrogant, they're just prideful, they do that because they're just attention seekers, I think you miss something that's really, really core to who the Tigger is. As a person, Um, I think it's easy to do that for your child. And also the school system really does a disservice to Tiggers when they see just the external bouncy part of them and diagnose this personality types with all the D words that are out there. You know, the ADHD, ADD, OCD, whatever D word you can think of. I think those things tend to get pegged on somebody who is not able to learn by sitting still. Um, if it was me and I had a little child who was a Tigger, I would want to know whether that was personality before I started medicating them. Because I wouldn't want to medicate their personality away. I would want to just be sure that it was an actual problem and not just part of how they learn. Um, I know that as a Tigger child, I asked a ton of why questions. I have this external interaction with the world, but then I have this whole internal process of sorting my values. And if I don't give myself time alone to do that value sort, then I become basically (laughs) kind of this horrible morph of a bouncy ticker on a massive sugar rush. I get more and more and more wired, and it's really not helpful, not to me and not to anybody around what is helpful in calming me down is having time alone. And it's really, really important that young tickers have that. Now, I get it. They're not going to like it. So it may mean going to war with them. It, it the, there, the one thing that I did not want as a child was to be alone. So if I had a little ticker child, I would start very kindly and gently with, something like hey here's a puzzle i want you to play with for about 10 minutes let me do it with you let's not talk the reason that i'm i want you to do this is because i want you to become a really healthy and balanced adult and give them the reason why so that they have they understand what's happening to them and then then give them a thing that they can do and focus on during the time that they're not interacting with lots of things in their external world. Um, I, would, I, would, I, I find that in myself, I can start out thinking, I'm just going to do this puzzle for a couple of minutes and that's it. And then about two hours later, I find that I've done half the puzzle. And while I was doing it, my brain was able to calm down. I was able to focus. I was able to think and sort internally and process whatever I needed to process on the inside. Um, there's other things that I've developed as an adult, like um, drawing or journaling or knitting. Um, I think if I had a boy who was a ticker, I would send him outside to dig a hole to China in the yard, you know. Uh, just something that that's physical yet focused and While they're doing that physical movement, they can have the time that's quiet where they can process internally all the things that they've been experiencing and come down off that sugar rush. Um, But I think this is something that has to be trained in. If you can train them while they're young um, to understand that this is important, that it's going to help them as an adult, this is a habit that um, I, as your parent, want you to continue until into your adulthood so that you can be healthy and balanced, um, help them to find things that they love so that you can do them when they're stressed or when, they're, when they need to think or when they feel really hyped up. Um, help them to realize that finding things they can do can help them to calm down. And I think that's really important to work into their life um, just to, to balance that tendency that looks like ADHD, I guess, to the rest of the world. Um but I think a parent's going to have to be really intentional to do that because Tigger is not going to think of doing it for themselves until they're much, much, much older in life. Uh, I don't have a Tigger that I'm training, but if I did, I would, I would want to understand that that he needs this quiet downtime before I started medicating him. It was so needed. They need structure around them. They need, uh, they need it not because it's punishment to them but because it's good for their soul it's you know they need a parent to say to them this is good for your soul this is good for you as a person let me help you experience that feeling of being calm in your environment and i think it's it's when parents don't give that to their kids that over time you you start seeing the kids bounce off the walls and then you start to view them as being a person that has no substance within them but the only way that you can get that internal life, that, that substance that's deep inside of a tigger to come out and to see it is if you make the child slow down, if you give them structured time during the day to slow down so that you can see the substance that's in them so that they can allow it to be seen and then you can be a part of it. Um, I think the the less you structure them, and the less you give them that time, focused time alone, the more you're gonna experience them as this ADHD child because you're, you're allowing them to constantly be overstimulated and they just get ramped up.
1: You tell Tigger that you love watching what he's able to do on that gym floor. You tell him that you love watching the way his ability inspires and delights the crowd in the stands. Most importantly, you tell him that his courage to do what's right, even when he faces uncomfortable risk, is so wonderful to see, and you know it will serve him well in the future. It takes patience and courage to parent a vibrant, bouncy Tigger. They can be a mysterious, uncontrollable force, and you may think you must micromanage them into predictable submission, in a word, to unbounce Tigger. But that's not what he really needs. As A.A. Milne has already warned us, being unbounced makes them into a different Tigger altogether. A sad Tigger. A melancholy Tigger. A small and sorry Tigger. Tiggers navigate the external world by making use of the people, objects, and circumstances of the moment. They'll take care of the benefits of this superpower, but they need your help dealing with their kryptonite. Tiggers need parents and education systems that believe in them and notice their unique gifting and intelligence rather than forcing them into a cookie cutter mold that doesn't play to their strengths. The good news is there are tons of healthy outlets, both professions and hobbies, for the Tigger's adventurous bounce. So hang in there and train your Tigger to run with the good packs. They'll help him be wise and capable of fleeing the temptations of this world. We need Tiggers who are adept at problem solving on the spot with the resources available to them in the moment and without relying on an established procedure or process for doing so. We need Tiggers in our world because life is messy and often unpredictable and in those moments, it's often Tiggers who come bouncing to our rescue. If not to lead us out of the difficult situation immediately, they lift our hearts. They help us forget our cares, if only for a moment. They are our craftsmen, engineers, farmers, and first responders, our entertainers, nurses, salespeople, and more.
0: For a long time they looked at the river beneath them, saying nothing and the river said nothing too, for it felt very quiet and peaceful on this afternoon. Tigger is all right, really, said Piglet lazily. Of course he is, said Christopher Robin. Everybody is really, said Pooh. That's what I think, said Pooh, but I don't suppose I'm right, he said. Of course you are, said Christopher Robin.
1: Just like we did with Rabbit, the weekly blog posts that will follow this episode dive into more specifics of raising a happy, healthy, successful Tigger because it's likely you're raising different characters from the 100-acre wood in your home, I will give you similar articles. So, we'll explore topics like how to correct Tigger effectively, school subjects no Tigger should miss, and which careers Tiggers rock. I'll also have an infographic of A Parent's Guide to Tigger, which is a one-sheet reminder on how to train an extroverted sensor. Download it, print it off, and post it on your fridge or bulletin board for helpful reminders as you're working with your Tigger. So follow me on Instagram or like me on Facebook at Beyond Curriculum Podcast to see the latest posts and resources available to you. Special thanks to the Tiggers and their loved ones who contributed to this episode, Sally Minen, Elizabeth McWilliams, Stephen Daniel, and Lydia Wong. A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh story excerpts were narrated by John Strapazon. Original music was provided by Jeff Moore, who also produced the episode. Do you have a highly imaginative, future-oriented kid who naturally examines all the possibilities for what could happen next? They might be a piglet. We'll meet this change-oriented creative next as we continue our journey through the Hundred Acre Wood. I'm your host, Julie Moore, and I'll see you next time on Beyond Curriculum.